This is Public Occurrences, both foreign and domestic. And now your host, Michael O'Fallon. It is about time that we spend some of our podcast minutes talking about some elements of the why behind what is happening around us at this very moment. And maybe consider this a part one or maybe a introduction of a necessary series to unwind all that is happening around you and why it's happening around you. For instance, why did the evangelical church, you know, The Southern Baptist Convention with Al Mohler, Russell Moore, Ed Stetzer, Mark Dever, and Danny Aiken, and let's say the Gospel Coalition with Tim Keller, D.A. Carson, Legan Duncan, Thabiti Anabwile. Why did they all of a sudden, like a switch was flipped, all of a sudden start having nearly half of their time and energy focused on subjects like critical social justice, critical race theory, revoice, living out? environmental issues, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and the broad acceptance of what can only be explained as a broader socialistic financial scheme that can be found in stakeholder capitalism, which is more of a communo-fascist form of socialistic corporatism, if you will. And with ending the sovereignty of nations, that's been a focus of theirs. And why did it seem as if this heavy focus came at the exact same time that, well, that Pope Francis was elected to become Pope? And of course, Pope Francis, weirdly enough, held all of the things that the new social justice-minded evangelicals almost dogmatically hold, like new essentials of the Christian faith. Furthermore, why did it seem as if all of a sudden that every single corporation in the world became completely and intimately concerned with social justice, with homonormativity, with hyper-environmentalism, with diversity, equity, and inclusion, with a sudden fascination with stakeholder capitalism, which is, again, more of a communo-fascist form of socialistic corporatism? And with the ending of the sovereignty of nations. I mean, literally, every single major global and national corporation. Why did it seem that all of a sudden, at the same time that all this was happening, that every single educational institution research arm, from major universities to smaller secular and even Christian colleges, why why was it that they as well all of a sudden had a lesser focused interest in the Basic things like they were supposed to be doing, just educating people in math and STEM and so forth. Why all of a sudden did they as well focus in on social justice, homonormativity, transgenderism, hyper-environmentalism with diversity, equity, inclusion, and with a sudden fascination in stakeholder capitalism and with the ending of the sovereignty of nations? And why is it that? Even our Republican politicians seem to have a bizarre focus on social justice issues, homonormativity, hyper-environmentalism, open borders with diversity, equity, inclusion, and with a sudden fascination in 
stakeholder capitalism, which is more of a communo-fascist form of socialistic corporatism. And, of course, with the opening of borders and the ending of the sovereignty of nations. And then all of our advertising and media started to change. And all of a sudden, you couldn't find a movie or a TV show that didn't have some sort of social justice-minded focus. Did you ever wonder, well, why was this all happening? And why was this all happening at the same time? Well, one rather glaring reason, one of many reasons, by the way, was that all of our systems were about to be changed. And of course, most CEOs, higher-ups in faith-based organizations and higher-level politicians on both sides of the aisle knew that this would all be coming. And they were either actively involved in the planning and preparation of this great shift, this great reset, if you will, or they were passively going on for the ride. You see, at some point or the other, they all had the talk delivered to them at one point or the other in the last 20 years or so that went something like this. Quote, there is a change coming that there is nothing you can do to stop. So, if you come on board and help us to facilitate what changes will be happening, things will be good for you. But if you try to stop it from happening, well, things won't be good for you. End quote. And most of us that had that talk, not just once, but maybe six times, well, we went along with it. At least I did in the beginning close to 12 to 13 years ago. And I was hearing the same damned speech, and I mean damned in the proper and biblical use of the word. I heard this same damned speech from religious leaders, corporate leaders, political leaders. I heard the speech many, many times. As a matter of fact, the last time I heard the talk was in the summer of 2019 in Las Vegas. That was the last time that I had heard this. I'm not kidding. 2019 in Las Vegas at a travel industry private meeting. And what they said was that there were going to be changes that were going to be happening in the next decade. And there would be nothing that any of us could do to stop them. That there will be a season of pain for a lot of people as these changes were made. That there would be a season of pain for the entire industry. It was explained, and remember, this was back in 2019. It was explained clearly that within the next 11 years that we had to transition out of traditional events, conferences, conventions, and meetings. We need to transition out of normative travel and tours, right? So we needed to make sure that the travel and meetings industry transitioned out of our old models of, let's say, jumping on a plane, taking a taxi or a limo to a hotel, jumping out of your transportation into a nice hotel room, eating wonderful banquet food at the event, and sleeping at an excellent hotel. You see, it was explained to those gathered at this meeting that we had to put sustainability first. 
And that meant that if we had to fly a long way, that we would increase our carbon footprint, and that would be dangerous for the environment and against the United Nations sustainability goals. That if we needed to take a car to a hotel from the airport, that would only increase the harm that we were doing to the earth with our carbon footprint. And if we stayed in a big luxury hotel that uses all sorts of resources to operate, well, that would be against sustainability. And if we had all of this banquet food and buffets with fish, beef, chicken, and other exotic things that had to be shipped into the hotel, trucked in, that would harm the environment. Now, at that meeting, convention or event, the other question was this. Do you have diverse representation? Is there an equitable distribution of speaking opportunities at your event in regards to gender, race, and sexual preference? So when the attendees look on the stage at your event, do they see a rainbow or is the stage whitewashed and toxically masculine? So you need to make sure that you have diverse representation on your stages. Diverse voices, diverse points of view. And you see, you need to understand that you must make all of these changes in your meetings and events immediately. Or there could be opportunities and venues that may refuse to allow you to hold your events at their hotels or convention centers. So these changes had to happen, and there was nothing that we could do to stop these changes from happening. Now again, the representatives from the United Nations and the World Economic Forum that were running our meeting in Las Vegas explained that there will be a season of pain for a lot of people as these changes are being made. But if we committed to these changes and went through the period of the pain of change, this disruption and dismantling of the old ways, everything would eventually be built back better than before. Yes, I heard that damnable speech for the last time in 2019. And yes, I tried to speak to some of you who I know are listening right now to this podcast about the deceitful neo-Marxist fascist plan that was unfolding before our eyes. And I explained to you in the travel industry, this is who I'm addressing right now. I explained to some of you CEOs and managers that we only had a short window of opportunity to stop this from happening. And that if we in the travel and events industry could push back hard, we might be able to expose their obvious contradictions. And many of you said to me, quote, Mike, there is just nothing we can do to stop what is going to happen. And look, I have to look out for my family, Mike, end quote. And there were a few that joined with me to try and fight back against this thing back in 2018 and 2019. And I realized that this choice meant that you are now out of the industry and shunned. But I commend you. And I want to let you know that I need you. And the world needs you right now. We need you to stand up against what is really a totalitarian takeover of the travel, hotel, and event industry. Heck, it's an attempt to use the travel, hotel, and events industry 
to take over the world. And what you need to start to settle in in your mind right now is this. You need to prepare yourself if you plan on fighting the good fight against what will be the most challenging and chaotic fight in the history of mankind. And we must win. There is no lose in this. And then let me turn to my friends in faith. Not just in evangelicalism that I spoke about this, but other faiths that are doing a better job excising this cancer from their ranks. And I'm not kidding. I would say that the Christian church and evangelicals are doing the worst job of confronting this issue than anybody else. And what evangelical leaders, to be effective, will have to do first is admit something. It is that you, most likely, were played for the fool. And let's say that you knew me back in 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, and you're one of those that I came to pleadingly to please listen to me. And you lent me your ear for just five minutes. And even though I spoke about the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, Cognitive Liberty, James Riotti, the Asia Society, Public Health, Open Societies, Paul Singer, Richard Florida, Tom Steyer, Sergei Popovich, social justice, critical race theory, top-down, bottom-up, inside-out, and stakeholder capitalism, you froze. You completely froze when I uttered the name George Soros. Because, you know, to mention his name meant whatever you said is instantly a conspiracy theory, and everything needs to be forgotten, erased. So anything and everything that I said before was instantly dismissed. And you went on with your day. And most likely you were thinking about how you can stay out of the crazy from Michael Fallon and just keep on moving with your goals in your life. I mean, you had to have your ministry that you focused on. And you usually went and gravitated towards the same people that you had been doing ministry with for years and years and years that didn't see any of this coming either and tried to come up with your own reasons why this was happening. So you're saying, oh, well, these men are just, you know, influenced by the outside world or, you know, some of these guys just care more about evangelism, whatever the case may be. And you refuse to listen to what I said. And now it's dawning upon you that you should have been listening. Now, if you were one of the men or women that I met with in the travel industry, and when I tried to beg you to understand these things, you probably dismissed 20% of what I said and tried to convince me not to fight it. And you know who you are, and I will likely send this episode to you personally. If you were one of the many politicians that I brought this issue to over the years, do you remember when your A's told you to not pay any attention to what I was saying? If you were one of the, let's say, in evangelicalism, if you were one of the 15 or so men that I met with at Herb's Coffee House in Dallas, Texas in June of 2018, do you remember when I told you that we had a year and a half, two years tops to win this thing? And you rejected most of what I said about this entire movement in Christianity going legislative soon. Most of you dismissed what I said. Well, right now, I need. All of you, please, I beg of you to not evoke a defensive posture right now and just ask yourself, just ask yourself this question. How did Mike know 
all of this stuff? How was he able to explain all of it? What was going to be happening? And believe me, it isn't because I am any smarter than any of you. I just knew. Because I have been in all of these circles, politics, corporate travel, all of this stuff for decades. And I had seen this happen in the Roman Catholic Church when I was younger and jumped into the why it was happening. I was involved with politicians in the 2000s and heard all of this stuff. I was involved in international business and politics and heard all of the plans and strategies to implement this great shift of society. And let me tell you, in governance, in business, and in the ministry, you'd better take this seriously, as seriously as anything that you've ever have in your life. Like as if you got the worst diagnosis from your doctor that you could ever have. You better take it that seriously right now. You need to go to your children. You need to go to your wife and explain to them that daddy has to go slay a dragon. And some things might be said about your dad. Some things might be done to your dad. But your dad has to go and slay the dragon. Because your father has to protect his home and his family. He has to protect the Shire. And for many of you, this is an unexpected journey. And some of you figured out around 2019 or so, watching me, watching what we have done with James Lindsay and others, using what we discussed with James Lindsay. And you then started to figure it out. But what you figured out, and this is one of the problems, is that you figured out that you could make some money at being against CRT. And so you decided to use CRT in your opposition to CRT to grow your platform, to use it for fundraising, to grow your presence, but not necessarily to actually beat it. Let me tell you, if you really understand what we are really up against, and if you really understand that the sands in the hourglass are few, then you might want to back off your giant honorarium request for a while. Because we have a world to save. We have a church to save. And we have a nation to save. And I'm still about $1.2 million behind in making any money off of fighting CRT, neo-Marxism, and the planned oligarchical technocracy. My family and I financed this entire fight back when most of you didn't have the guts to stand up and fight back until you saw that money could be made. So what gives, brothers? Just FYI, James Lindsay, you know, the atheist, he doesn't have a set honorarium because he knows that we have to win this quickly. Or it is all over, literally all over, literal total totalitarianism. And many of you in the ministry know exactly what is going on and who is doing all of this. And you won't mention the names. You've left it to James Lindsay to call the demons demons. And so now all of a sudden, there is a cottage industry against CRT. 
And now the anti-CRT industry is peppered with dishonest voices with dishonest intentions. Men and women with low morals, with low character, who are now rising up in the ranks to just enhance their fame. And to get money. And nearly all of them are just using the materials and research of James Lindsay and New Discourses and Sovereign Nations. So we have all of these avatars, these simulations of James Lindsay writing books and making movies and hosting podcasts who can't really be trusted. Men of really low character. Many of them, men who are being used by the same vulture hedge fund managers who brought in critical race theory and environmentalism into the conservative movement and who brought in this insanity into the churches. This needs to stop. And the thing is, all of this has happened in churches, in schools, in corporations, in law, in government for one reason. And the reason isn't good. It's all happening at the same time to reset our world and our institutions that faithful people gave billions of dollars to. They gave billions of dollars to ministries to protect the faith to protect the lives that they had over the past 50 years. But those ministries and institutions were completely silent in fighting against the worst theological and ideological invasion of the church and civilization in history. And many of these ministries were not just silent, but they were willfully partnering with those that were actively bringing in this new cult into the church. And brothers, I was running around meeting with many of you trying to convince you that this was happening. And it seemed that the more that I told you about the big picture of what was really actually happening, the more frequently I was being dismissed. In other words, here was the problem with some of you that are ministry leaders. Hubris and arrogance was your problem. You didn't want to be told that you were blind to all of this. And then there were some of you who do know what is going on, but were silent until standing against this insanity was profitable for you. And you will stand against CRT, but you won't dare mention the rest of it. And to be honest, perfectly honest, I still don't trust many of you. Because I know how this game works. I've been involved with politics for decades. I have seen what they have done in the Republican Party. Personally, I saw what the Republicans did to my very good friend, Alan Keyes. And I see some political shenanigans going on with some men who are now standing against CRT and writing all sorts of books, picking up all sorts of checks. You know, you all are sounding an awful lot like evangelical versions of Marco Rubio, Ben Sass, Trey Gowdy, Mitch McConnell. And you know what all these men have in common? They seem like they're conservatives, but they are not conservatives in their being. They will play the mot and pretend to stand for conservative things when the spotlight is on. 
but they will do whatever the progressive Democrats want in the dark back rooms in the Senate chambers. And so those squirmish neoconservatives will play the entryism game. You know, we talked about this in a few previous episodes, creating a real Republican conservative group that pushes out men and women like Rand Paul or Josh Hawley or Marjorie Taylor Greene. By the way, I know some of these folks personally. And they will claim that those people are extreme and that they, McConnell, Cheney, Romney, and others, are the real leaders that you need. And so the same thing is happening now in the Christian church. There are a whole bunch of men who were silent, quiet, or just ignorant of the ideologically Marxist invasion of the church and of the nation over the past 15 years, literally had no idea what was going on. They now want to tell you that you need to trust them and their institutions to guard against CRT. May I make a suggestion, gentlemen? How about you work on clearing out the cancer out of your institutions first, completely, before telling everyone that you are going to lead? And maybe for some of you that choose Christian ministry as your career path, maybe this isn't your thing, because many of you have just been placeholders who try to latch on to whatever is hot right now. And others, sadly, are not doing what is necessary to purge their denominations, their seminaries, their institutions, to purge them completely by removing the men who brought in the ideological cancer. And they let the ideological cancer grow and have infected thousands and thousands of pastors who are leading millions of people across the globe. You are not guardians of the church. You are still men who want to be accepted by others. You are still institutional men who failed the body of Christ horribly and would not listen to the warnings of others. You are still men who want to be accepted by others in your institutions and in your groups. And quite honestly, and, and truly, I would trust J.D. Hall and Brandon House to guard the church more so than I would some of you that are part of the big, brave new names that supposedly fight against CRT in the church right now. And here's how the listening audience can know that this is true. Pretty much Every man outside of a few that brought in this massive cancer, and it isn't just CRT, by the way, there's a whole lot of other things that are coming along with it. CRT is just getting the focus. Oh, it's a lot bigger than that. But pretty much every man outside of just a few that brought in this massive cancer into the church are still active in ministry without any major fight against their spewing Marxist collectivism. And you know this because no one's really demanding resignations from the SBC seminary heads, from Legan Duncan, who wrote the foreword to Woke Church. And you think that because someone signs a statement that they are with us? And brothers, do you think that this is just happening to the church? The church is just one piece in their foundational puzzle that those 
that want to catapult our civilization into the fourth industrial revolution must command. They need to control the corporate models for system change. They need to control the political models for systems change. They need to control the economic models for system change. And they knew that if the unified evangelical church stood up against this invasion and takeover of the nation, that they might fail. And please understand that this really has nothing really to do with just social justice or any of that other kind of nonsense. That is a means to an end. It is all about transitioning out of a sovereign, autonomous model of the United States and a free society and into a supranational, autocratic, totalitarian, algorithmic model where there is no human freedom where there is no democratic republic, where the experts make the decisions, and where human beings are monitored 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And every corporation, every bank, every educational institution, every church, every ministry, every denomination will be in the ESG credit system model. And that is what we will discuss tomorrow on Public Occurrences both foreign and domestic.